electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now. A stunning sell-off on Wall Street. The worst day since Brexit back in June of 2016. At one point, the Dow shed nearly 700 points. It closed down 666 points. Yes, 666 of demonic oh. end to a tough week. What is the sixth best, by the way, the sixth biggest point loss ever on top of that? Of course, on a percentage basis, it was only 2.5%. Still, it's the worst week for stocks since January 2016. And the culprit looked no further than rates. The 10-year yield surging to just above 2.8%. That's a four-year high. The rate shock spooking stocks all over the world all week long. And today we close near the dead lows of the session. The Dow is now off 4% from its all-time highs. Key questions tonight, is this just the beginning of a much bigger correction? What do you do with your money right now? Guy down. Well, I don't know about bigger, but kudos to Tim and Brian last night who said, you know what, tomorrow good news is going to be bad news. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much exactly what happened. Now, I'm not going to pretend to say I knew the Dow was going to go down 650 points. I will not use the number that you just used. I don't do that. But I didn't see that coming. But what I will talk about is the fact that markets don't end of old age. Bull markets, they end on a crescendo of good news. And i got to tell you something. You couldn't have had much better news a couple weeks ago than Apple saying they're going to repatriate all that money. That was great news. A lot of people, myself included, thought that would be the next catalyst to take the market higher. Well, in the short duration that since that's happened has not been the case. I don't think you have put in a bottom on a Friday. My sense is you see some more pain early next week. And then just keep your eye on the VIX. If you have a day where the market's down, but the VIX is down as well, the reverse of what we saw the Tuesday after Martin Luther King Day, then it would say it's all good to get back in the pool. I would say the other side of that is it's probably as good a day as any to put in a bottom on a Friday because people want to de-risk. So they want to take the chips off the table. There's no sense in going home long or long with what their speculative plays would be. And I do believe that Apple got drawn in with the overall market. So for Apple, it could have been an up day. If the market was up, Apple would have been up. Great report. Everyone was worried about uh, iPhone X demand. I think that was purely speculation on their part. The average selling price raised means there was a demand for X. The market, I think, goes higher next week. All right, you had the number one institutional investor ranked uh, analyst on the street downgrade Apple today on some concerns about the 10. And then you also had, yeah. I mean, you had a, a pastiche, if you mm. will. Oh, right. A uh, reason mosaic. to sell, I, sell today's, today's there, tape. There are a lot of reasons to sell today's tape. Uh, Apple being downgraded is certainly not one of them. I mean, that was this whole thing has been telegraphed uh, in terms of Apple. In terms of the rates, that this is the preview of what could happen. To me, this isn't the big sell-off. We might get a little bit more. But what we do know is that this market is highly rate-sensitive. There's going to be this adjustment period. But even if you look back and you look back at 2007, 2008, you had multiple rate hikes. You had a year of rate hikes. This is, we have barely done any. And you got to ask yourself when you're buying stocks, okay, did all of a sudden today the news, the economic news that came out today signal a recession? Quite the opposite. In fact, it signaled things are getting better. So you don't need to panic too much. We probably have some more downside. And I agree with Guy. I mean, look for a bottom sometime next week, a tradable bottom here. 
Well, look, investors need to check, you know, where they were uh, a few days ago versus where they are now, because what has changed? What has changed? Well, three-tenths of a percent on wages is something that the Fed is going to take notice on. Yesterday that the Fed actually brought up inflation in their statement, and I, I think on some way they put us on alert. So um, to the extent that it was very difficult to find a, a bearish setup uh, last week, I think on the same level, you still have a fantastic backdrop for earnings. You still have an environment where at 2.85, um, a lot of these companies are still doing very, very well. The ultimate question, though, is how far behind the curve is the Federal Reserve? Right. And, and I think this is something that, frankly, I, you know, I, I think they are. And, and I think four rate hikes, which are now getting closer to be priced in this year, um, I think is very difficult to not see as a reality, especially when you consider. Think about what happened with the dollar. Think about what happened with credit. Think about what happened with liquidity. Right. All this time the Fed's supposed to be tightening or we've been making market conditions and liquidity conditions have been loosening. So, if anything, it puts more pressure on the Fed to tighten things up. And I think, look, that can happen in a hurry. It on did just today. the economic front, some might say that the Fed is behind the curve. But then you layer that on top of that, the final impact of tax reform, which we have not seen yet, right. the impact of potential infrastructure. And you do have upward bias when it comes to the number of rate hikes to expect this year and next and year. And Brian right? Sullivan was here Wednesday, and he said something that I've probably never heard before, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense. The market likes to test new Fed chairs. And guess what? Well, today was a pretty big test, and you're going to probably continue that test in the weeks to come. Because to Tim's point, there's no way you can't say the Fed is behind the curve. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious to me. One other thing, and I've been trying to figure out this Deutsche Bank thing for quite some time, but I'll say, look, Deutsche Bank was down 8.5% today. And one of the things I've noticed is as volatility starts to creep up, Deutsche Bank starts to creep lower. One has to wonder, and BK has discussed this, you know, the largest derivatives book on the planet are they short volatility? Is that some exogenous event that's sort of lurking in the weeds? Because quite frankly, the DAX hasn't traded well now a week, week and a half. But respectfully, I don't know how we can say, if we look back in December, the Fed was perplexed as to where the inflation was coming from. So I don't know if you can say they're definitively behind the curve. I think you have a new Fed chair. He's got a little wider berth. Maybe he sits on his hands more than Yellen would have. I'm not sure why we're getting, we're getting all bent out of shape here. I mean, a year ago, the Fed was wondering if they'd ever be able to create inflation again. Correct. I mean, Correct. it's not like it's we're in some later. sort of... Yeah, it's, it's just... I mean, yes, the market has to reestablish itself. It has to revalue these current these uh, stocks because of what's going on with rates. How about, how, but again, how, how, how it's much just, foreign money comes in at 3% into our right. tenure. I mean, so there's a lot of stuff that can happen so, before we get out yeah, of but, control. But the, the one thing about all this, guys, is, first of all, positioning was so extreme going into this moment. And, and the passive nature of the markets, we won't get into active-passive, but, but the reality is that everybody was on one side of the boat. Uh, if you think about where we were, Bank of America last week put out their, their bare bull, uh, you know, basically sell indicator and said, it's 11 for 11 since 2002 when we get to 8.0 on the yeah. bears, I'm on the bulls. We were at 7.9. We might have gotten there anyway. So um, I, I, I think about just the dynamics of where people are positioned at this point. And, and I don't think that this market uh, really believes that any pullbacks shouldn't have been bought for the last year. And, and so it's interesting to hear you say that, Guy, because I'm not so sure that most of the people aren't ready to step back in early right. next week. And in fact, I, I, and, I really? and by the way, I'm not saying especially, that that should be the right move. Especially what Melissa said, when you said we have not seen the effects of the tax reform. And then you know, Trump comes out, President Trump comes out and says there might be a phase two of tax reform on top of infrastructure. Any of those headlines that 
gain some traction. We've been all off the ball for the last couple of days. I think we had rebalancing at the end of the month. I think it was a big part of the story. Uh -huh. I think you have to let it simmer. I think next week you could see a constructive market. Do, do you think that we'll see the, the, the dip buyer step into the market? I mean, it Where is a little bit different. Just, they, mean, weren't, they weren't there today. Yeah, they yeah. weren't there today. They weren't there today. I mean, one of the differences between this dip and past dips is where uh, rates are, right? I mean, yeah. it's a very different backdrop. There, there's some different backdrops here versus other dips. So yeah, the question is, look, do they step in? And the next question is, should they step in? I have in? no idea if the next week is going to be. I don't know. I do think you're going to see further pain before you see a bottom. Further pain could happen Monday in the first two hours. The thing could reverse, and we'll all be giddy again on Tuesday afternoon. I have no idea. But what I will say is this. Stocks like Boeing, we've said this for quite some time. They shouldn't move. That stock should not move 3.5% day in, day out, up and down. And look at Caterpillar after they reported it was a great number. Great number, lousy price action. And to a large extent, Boeing had similar. Now, albeit you had that big move up, but that stock has sort of moved off the highs as well since they reported. So, again, good news, bad price action. That you haven't seen in a very long time. Well, but, for, for me, you, it's just different. It's different uh, dip buyers and or a different mindset. So before when you were buying the dip, things weren't looking that great. Maybe the Fed wasn't going to go so much. Now, if you're going to be buying a dip, you have to say to yourself, well, you know what? Great. PEs are high, but earnings are going to be better. That's the mentality you have to have if you're going to be buying this dip. But are I you do buying think the dip? I, next week, I'm going to look exactly for what guy looked like, right? What was looking you for. The you, get a day, you get a day where you, uh, close, you, know, you open up down 200 points, reverse and close on the highs. That's the day that That's BK like was You said the backdrop was, was different this time. And it was different because if you look at the S&P, we were 7% above the 50-day. We were 8% or 9% above the 100 mm -hmm. and 12% above the 200. That was extended. The averages above the 50 are probably around 2. So now we're around 1.8 or 2%. Now it's back sort of in line, maybe another 2%. Two things that are worth just reflecting on. It's what you, Steve's saying. Think about where we were last Friday. We had the biggest blow-off top you could have had. Um, you know, emerging markets were as overbought as they were since 2004. I probably said that. The problem right now is there's not an asset class that looks terribly good other than cash or the dollar. Um, I nibbled some emerging markets, which are down 6% in five days, because I do think that the fundamentals still hold up somewhat. I think they're going to be nervous on rates. All right, let's get some more from the chart master, who on Monday published a note that said in part, quote, this week will mark an intermediate top for the market. So how deep will the pullback be? Uh, Carter Worth over at the Plasma. Carter. Well, I mean, I think that's probably the case, whether we go lower now or lower over time or whether we back and fill. I think Friday, a week ago, is going to stand as an important intermediate top, whether it's three months or six. Uh, it's not likely to be exceeded anytime soon. I've got three charts. Let's just try to figure out the moment-to-moment -moment day to day. This is all of Q4, which we know is quite good, and then going into January and then what we've got now. Um, I think you can do this as a reasonable uh, approach. You can put the context, meaning we really took off in January, even f more than the sort of Q4 performance. And what I have over here, just to put this in context, are the one, two, three lines and the levels from the absolute high. So we know that the absolute high was 28.72, 73, in fact, if you round up. And so we've already cut through the first line. That would be down 3.2. Down 4.8 would be 2735. That's right here. And then where we get to the bottom of this channel, just to get back into the range we've been in, we'd be looking at about a 6.5% uh, sell-off peak to trough, and that would be a garden variety, sell-off, dip, correction, pullback, whatever nomenclature you like. Um, let's go 
longer-term chart and end with this. So this is from the lows in 2016. And what we know is, not because I say so, just because it's a fact, yes, that the market has responded to this trend line quite well. Were we simply to get down to the trend line, in effect, over the last three years, we're looking at right here. Another, the total would be 222 points or a 7.7% decline from peak to trough. That is a very reasonable thing to, um, I would say, bet on. So whether it happens today, on Monday, I mean, Monday, of course, or whether it's over time, or whether it takes a long time, I think we can make the assumption that an intermediate high was made. Uh, Carter comes over. Come on over, Carter. What a lateral decision yeah. by you. Yeah, why not? I mean, he is Carter Worth. It's true. Did you have any problem with that? Because I, I thought you had him yeah. in the Pantheon. No, or he's not in the Pantheon. Or or yeah. yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, so 7.7% peak to trough. So right now on the S&P 500, we're, we're down 3.8% right. so from the high. Just to go to the trend line. But I think what's, what's important is we all look, I myself certainly, to assign a reason for a sell-off. You could be in a different moment, a different time, and the news was rates just hit 284, great corporate results, market surges, right? It's just, it's because of recent memory. 284 is a gift in any other condition, yes? And nothing has really happened. The real truth is banks didn't act well. And that was supposed to happen when, when rates. I think the rate thing is not a big deal. Uh, I think people know that it was overdone. It was excessively steep. And they'll use any reason to sell and point to it. But it has nothing to do, frankly, with rates going from 26 to 28. Uh, or that Apple was a little lighter, this, that. It's sometimes people just sell. That seems so unsatisfying in terms of an explanation. <laughs> so We're true. all looking for a reason why this But you happened. don't have, that's, you, we, oh, that's the human condition. Myself, good, I want to, why? Was it the right thing? Two, eight? So let, let's on talk about that. Bond. I'm yeah. curious to your, your view on financials then, because, again, you talked about this. The yield curve actually steepened over the last couple of days. Actually, twos, tens went from kind of mid-50s to high 60s. Right. Um, and this should be what banks are waiting for. They're making money when the Fed's hiking the short end of the curve anyway. So right. why banks are you know, so sluggish? That's, that's just it. I think that's all goes to the to, they should or should not be acting well, given what you right. described in rates. But basically, people have been gorging on equities for a long time. And they decided to sell this week. Um, how much lower? Unknown. Intermediate high, by all accounts, has been put in. When you take a look across the markets in various sectors like a FANG or, or whatnot, are there certain um, areas that concern you, that look vulnerable, that you say, you know, if that breaks, I'm not sure about the overall market? Well, remember, not all things, well, to your, maybe to that point, not all things are broken. We surely know that Amazon hasn't yielded right. at all in their yep. other stocks. We got, I think the, the more treacherous thing is the pounding that took place in a big name like an Exxon. Uh, right, or UPS this week. Some of that uh, aggressive selling is not likely to be contained. So, wow. so Carter, when you talk about correlations it, or lack thereof, when you say a 10-year versus this is not the reason why the market's selling off, what correlations do you still put importance on, if any, or are you looking at the S&P in a vacuum? Well, again, those correlations do exist, and sometimes they don't, right? Um, but I think here now it's just a case of there was, uh, there was selling, mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll find out ultimately why. Carter, thank you. Carter Braxtonworth, CN Options Action, uh, just about uh, 15 minutes time. Got to watch that. Uh, what'd you do today, Guy? 15 minutes. Listen, I thought, we talked about Exxon real quick. Yeah. We said it's going to get up to 88.5, 89 into earnings. And it's, it's, 
It's Carter just mentioned it's still in a huge downtrend over the last two and a half years, but it did technically everything right. So there are trades that exist in this marketplace. I'm not saying Exxon is over, but the point is you could trade bull markets, bear markets. The, the charts do give you clarity every once did in a you, while. Did you like uh, trim the weeds and what? What's no, that? I, I did not. I did not cut my flowers and keep my weeds. It's really tempting on a day like today because again, the things that are outperforming are probably your better stories. I actually nibbled back into some volatility in emerging markets mm. and nibbled on a little bit of commodities exposure because again, Freeport down eight percent. When in, this is all about global growth, I don't think so. Thanks. Yeah, so for me, I just battened down the hatches and made sure my powder was dry for next week because okay. I'm looking. And I, I like Tim's idea of going back into the commodity. Those, those names that worked, you want to look for those on a down day. Speculative bet. I bought Rite Aid yesterday, mm -hmm. and I'm going to add if it legs down again. All right, still ahead after a rough week for stocks. If you're worried about more selling ahead, we'll tell you exactly how to buy protection for your portfolio. And no, it's not too late. Plus, it's not just stocks. Bitcoin trying to make a comeback from its worst week since 2013. But it could all come down to one big event next week. We'll tell you what that is. Plus, Apple officially in a correction, down more than 10% from its all-time highs. But one trader thinks the worst is over for the tech giant. We'll explain why. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Bitcoin bloodbath continues with the cryptocurrency dipping below 8,000 earlier today. And that had Bitcoin investors doing this. <laughs> it's actual footage, by the way. In the midst of the mass hysteria, you see there, it wasn't just Bitcoin getting bashed. At one point, the global cryptocurrency market lost over $100 billion in just 24 hours leading into this morning. Bitcoin may have lost a whopping $40 billion in market cap this week, but during that time, Ripple has tanked 30%, lost $15 billion in market cap, while Ethereum and Litecoin also fell 13 and 26%. They lost 13 and $3 billion in market cap, respectively. Now, all eyes are now on one event happening next week. Our very own BK will tell us what that is and why you should be watching. Time for another crypto class with Beeks. Yeah, so let's do it. I mean, next week, we've got a big event here in the U.S. We've talked a lot about the regulatory pressures that have come from South Korea and from China and other places. But we've got something coming up in the U.S. that I think could be a big event for us. So on February 6th, the Senate Banking Committee is having a meeting, and they're going to be talking about what the regulatory oversight role of the SEC and the CFTC should be when it comes to cryptocurrencies and virtual currencies. So... It actually could, the bullish part of this, is it could give some regulatory clarity. One of the biggest problems we've had in this market is institutional investors don't know where exactly they stand regulatory-wise. What can they do? What can't they do? Because no one agency has really said this is our domain, and there's not one overarching regulatory scheme. So this could be a green light for institutional investors. Once you get that regulatory clarity and we can start to think about what's going on here, and in particular, when you've seen the regulations trying to stamp out Bitcoin in other places, here in the U.S. could be a Bitcoin hub. So let's just take a look at the chart real quick and what we're looking at. Talked about that big drop today. Here's what's interesting. Look at that breakout point back in November. Dan Nathan, he's going to be on the show mm. right after this. He talked to me about that earlier this week. We went right down to about 7,900 this morning. So really interesting technical point coupled with a catalyst next week to me is probably a pretty interesting risk reward to start nibbling at Bitcoin here. Hey, Brian, do you think institutions, though, are waiting for a regulatory kind of green light or, or do you think they're waiting for for something else, in other words, for more platforms, for, for the froth to come out of this, because you get the sense that they, they should have what they need here to feel comfortable. 
they're getting more comfortable when I say institutions. So you have family office and hedge funds getting into it, but perhaps more the asset allocators, the bigger ones have not yet to get, get into it. So that's what I'm thinking on the green light scenario. All right. Thanks for that crypto class bake still ahead. If today's market move has you panicking, take a seat, grab a drink of water. We're here for you. And the traders will tell you what not to do in a sell-off right after this break. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money and CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. You, you want to see something really scary? Then look at shares of Apple, because they're doing something they haven't done in a long time. And it could signal more pain to come. Plus, with the Dow plummeting, investors want to know one thing. Can I still buy protection? <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll show you how you can still protect your portfolio when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Today marked the worst day of trading since Brexit. A lot of folks see 700-point drops in the Dow and are tempted to do all sorts of things. So what's the first thing? You should not do come Monday, guy. Get emotional. Take the emotion out of it. I know it's hard to do, but it's, it's easy to say hard to do. But that's really what you have to do. People said, I want to buy Apple, I want to pull, I want to buy Apple, I want to pull. Well, here's your pullback. It's coming. And then they will say, well, wait, I didn't expect it to go down for these reasons. Stocks never go down for the reasons you think they will. And it always seems scarier than, in fact, it is. To BK's point, Steve's and Tim's. So if you've been waiting to buy a name like Apple, don't let today's 665-point move to the downside take you away from doing what you already put in place months ago. And it's good advice. I think you should have a list. We talk about making a list of things that you want to buy on a pullback. To Guy's point, I think the other thing equally as important is don't rush to sell the things that you've held for a long time that you truly believe in. There's algos, there's tape reading algos. It's a knee-jerk reaction. Hold them for a couple of days. That's a flowers weeds kind of commentary as well. Um, don't complicate your portfolio. A lot of people try to do too much at a time like this. Don't add a lot to your portfolio. If anything, simplicity is the best thing to do in a time of volatility. BK. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you, you hodl, just like you do in Bitcoin. It's not that different, right? So my number one trading rule when I get off sides or I'm not sure what's going on is don't just do something, stand there. So don't freak out. Just stand there, take a breath, and don't sell on the lows. Implicit in that is don't buy either. Right, wait, right, because you're emotional, right? So you don't, you, you're not thinking the right way, at, to Guy's point. So you just wait, you just stand But again, there. people will throw all kinds of hedges up there against their portfolio that they know nothing about or the correlations on. I think you have to be really careful of that. All right, time for the final trade here. Tim. Well, race is a name for our, I love the cars, but I don't like the valuation. I'm a seller. Race. Bye. Brian Kelly. So looking for things to buy on a sell-off and reversal next week? Goldman Sachs going to do well with volatility. Grasso. Well, we've heard a lot about health care. We heard about Amazon, J.P. Morgan, Berkshire. And I do believe that Rite Aid was thrown out, baby with the bathwater type event. I bought some this week. I think it goes higher. Guy Dami. It'll be a busy day Monday, Matt. Looking forward to seeing you on Monday. I won't be here. What, what? I'll be gone for two weeks on vacation. Oh, my God. What are we going to do without you? What are we going to tell the audience? I'm telling you right now. What are we going to tell the audience? Well, I'm telling you right now, too. Chicago Mercantile Exchange. You see that one? All-time high today. Average daily volumes are up month over month. CME up on a bad tape. That's a good sign. Have a good trip, Mel. Thanks a lot. Thanks uh, for watching. That does it for you here for Fast. We'll see you back here Monday at 5. Don't move. Options action starts right after this break. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
while what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.